Not Just Football with Cam Hayward is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of Not Just Football with your host, me, Cam Hayward. We have a great show. I'm here at camp. I got to talk to a pretty special guy today. Um, he is an awesome player, a better person off the field, Super Bowl winner. Um, I don't know what else I can say about him, but Kurt Warner is on with us today. I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. But first, I got to talk to my main man, Hayden. How you been, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, really excited to be here again. And I, I, I saw a story this week, and I got to get immediately into it with you. Saints rookie Trevor Penning kicked out of practice after starting a fight three straight days. We've already established on this show from Brett Kiesel and you personally, you are a fighter in training camp. Uh, give me a breakdown as a veteran. You see a rookie getting in a fight three straight days and then getting kicked out of practice. How do you see that? I don't think I've ever gotten in a fight. Benny Snell would beg to differ. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, um, you know, you look at the kid and you say he's a first rounder trying to prove himself. Uh, I can tell you what we're thinking. Um, I didn't fight my first day, but I, I fought, I think, my second day. Uh, it was because they, they let the reins off of me and let me got to work. Um, we always talk about, uh, Mike T always tells us, don't take it. And that means just don't take the, you know, the holding and stuff and get used to guys beating down on you uh, from the rookie's perspective. And, you know, you want to hit back. You want to show them you're tough. Uh, you want to go out there. Uh, especially in the in the in the lines, the front lines, because you want to show that you have the toughness to be out there. You want to show that you belong. Um, but as the veteran, you're like, what the heck is this kid doing? Um, I don't know what started the scrum, but three days definitely is a lingering thing. Um, we always talk about like leaving that in the past and leaving that last play and moving on to the next. Um, you have to be very uh, cognizant of that. You can't just think about the last play. You shouldn't be trying to start fights with your teammates. Uh, you know, open hand, um, punching uh, a helmet doesn't do much, but you could break your hand. Uh, and I've always been told that. Get your body shots in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, three days, I've never done it back to back to back. Uh, and... If you look at him in college, I think uh, he had a nasty streak like that as well. Uh, I think at the – what was the senior bowl? They, everyone kept showing the clip of of Trevor Penning going out there and, you know, doing things that are uncharacteristic of an offensive lineman, whether it was slinging the defensive end or defensive lineman into the – behind him, which would have been the quarterback's feet, uh, and he was praised for it. Uh, I think there's a big problem when we're teaching um, guys on social media these bad habits. Um, you can be a tough guy on on the field uh, in, in the, the confines of the game, uh, but there needs to be a level of respect out there. Um, obviously, that happens, but three days in a row shouldn't be happening. Well, yeah, and I saw his coach said, we don't have time for that. So I wonder, as a veteran, would you feel like you need to step in and go talk to him? Or does a coach need to go talk to him if it's three straight days? It just seems like it's a problem at that point. Like you said, a lingering problem. Yeah, veterans will talk to him. You know, I think they've got good leadership in a guy like Cam Jordan. You know, says, hey, Rook, um, I understand you want to be tough. I understand you want to be a part of this team. But 
going forward, you need to understand how we do things and how we need to work together. Um, Mike T always says to us, I'm not looking for an MMA team, but I'm looking for a tough team. And, you know, it's uh, we're not trying to build fighters. Um, we're not trying to uh, set up our team to just go out there and pick up penalties. We're looking to be smart, calculated, and be a, a grit and grindy team. And, you know, beating up your teammates does nothing. Okay, I, I do have one question for you, and I want you to be honest with me. Forget the recording. Forget cameras are on here. Have you ever thought about getting kicked out of practice just so maybe you could take a take a, take the day off? Hot day in Latrobe. You just need a break. Hey, I'm going to get kicked out of practice and go take my pads off and go get a glass of water. Uh, you know, I think my team would probably think that's rewarding me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like my team would probably be like, hell no, I'm not giving uh, Cam what he wants. But honestly, like I love practice. I love competition. Um, you know. If you get the best of me in one drill, I'm trying to get the best of you in the next. Um, and if you if we've started a fight in one drill, I plan on trying to beat you up in the next drill, in a in a in a way that's conductive and shows that we're trying to play football here. Um, you know, obviously there's just scrums in football. Usually it's just like guys holding each other's helmets because nobody's able to get a shot in. Um, you know, very rarely do you just see uh, punches thrown. Um, I always think about the one fight between Andre Johnson uh, and who was the corner? Cortland Finnegan. Cortland Finnegan. And and I don't know what was said. And you start to think about, like, how did it ever get to that point? Because I don't even think in 2022 that even gets past, like, the first punch. Because, like, there's so many people stepping in from there. One fight I do want to bring up, though, I saw in – uh, training camp one time, uh, and it wasn't even a fight. I think because I think DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins versus uh, who was the corner? Oh, oh. D'Angelo Hall when he tore his yes. knee up. That's yes. bad. You shouldn't bring that up. That's bad. <laughs> but think about it that way though. Like instead of trying to beat the kid up and trying to fight the guy, um, you know, mano a mano, and not the, in, inside the confines of the game, you said, okay, I'm gonna take this to the field. And he paid for it. And so now looking back at it, it's like, okay, he showed his technique. He showed he was better than him on the field. And that's what you're more concerned with. Uh, do you think a coach sometimes likes when he sees a fight in practice? Is that is that ever Could that ever be a good thing? You like the chippiness and, like, the guys being on edge, but you don't want anybody getting hurt. Uh, I think everybody worries about – I think coaches are very uh, cognizant of, you know, one or two guys swinging, and then you see a helmet – a throne or a guy hitting the uh, with their with their hands into somebody's helmet. That, that's that's scary business. Um, you know, we don't want to get anybody hurt uh, and be on IR and you know really set your back self set yourself back before the season even starts. Yeah, yeah I understand. Um, well, now that we're on training camp fights, let's get it. Let's get a little camping with Cam here. Let's get a little update on week two of the of training camp. I believe it was the first week in practice. Uh, want to hear how the hitting went? And did you get to meet Connor in any drills or any scrimmage at whatsoever to get a hit on him? I have not got a chance to get a hold of Connor Hayward. I don't know if it's just a battle that the coaches don't want to see, but I want to see it, damn it. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Connor's having um, some good days. Uh, he's working every day. Um, I'm excited for him. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to kick his butt. And, you know, that's just a competitor. I think we get each other better when we do that. Um, 
But speaking on just week two of camp, um, we've been dealing with a little bit of rain. Uh, we weren't able to go to Friday Night Lights. I'm sorry, my peeps, uh, Steelers Nation. Um, I know a lot of people came from all over uh, New York, uh, L.A., you name it. They were coming uh, out of the woodwork to that Steelers practice, but it got canceled due to rain. I think there were like uh, creeks flooding. It was, it was insane the amount of rain we got overnight. Um, but back to what was on the field, though, it was great competition everywhere you looked. Um, as you know, we got Deontay Johnson signed this uh, this last week. And so when a guy like that signs, uh, this gives another opportunity to compete. Um, I think our DBs are relishing at the opportunities. Uh, and having a guy like Deontay Johnson out, um, everybody just knows he's another target. Uh, their offense um, need, needs him. I think we've been dealing with a couple of injuries here and there. Uh, getting a guy like Deontay Johnson out there with a guy like George Pickens or Cal, Calvin Austin, um, you know, he, they all benefit off his game, and they're going to learn from him and see what he does right. I'm glad you brought up Pickens. Uh, today I saw a report that he had a pretty big day in camp, and then, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there was a report that he got in Minka Fitzpatrick's face and a couple of the defenders' face, showing a little emotion. Uh, have, have him and Calvin Austin been as good as Twitter is indicating? I don't even know what Twitter is saying. Um, uh, Twitter's just saying it blowing up. But Pickens and Calvin Austin have been huge on Twitter. Calvin Austin's speed has really stuck out, and Pickens, just everything he does, he's getting a lot of credit. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's been really, really good in camp. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's things he's got to work at. Uh, I don't think any of them are, you know, a complete finished product, project. Um, but they work hard, uh, and that's all we could ask for. Um, they come in with the right mindset to get better. Um, I can even bring up one point. Uh, I remember the first day Mike T brought up what a rookie does it, a rookie does when they get to uh, the next level. They're used to catching the ball and jumping for it. And that wastes time, you know, turning around once they catch it. Uh, and he addressed that the first day. After that, you see George really start to learn from that where he's not just – uh, catching the ball. He's not jumping, but he's turning with the ball and he's able to get out of his brakes a little bit faster. Um, Calvin Austin, um, what a speed demon. Um, and he knows how to play with it. You see a lot of these faster guys that don't know how to play with speed um, and or either deficient in catching um, and don't know how to play in space. Uh, Calvin, John, Calvin Austin is, you know, I said Johnson, but Calvin... Chris Johnson was just the same, you know, a, a speedier guy that you could put in space and have success. Um, obviously, they're two different players, but when they get in space, they're very similar in the fact that they can, you know, hit the hole and uh, really make a defense pass. That's great, man. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, last thing on training camp, though, how has Latrobe been? Uh, how is the dorm room? It looks like you're in a prison cell right now. There's nothing on the walls. I don't know what's going on back there. You need to decorate your room. How's Latrobe been? And what's dorm life been like? Dorm life is great, y'all. Like, look at these beautiful walls. Like, you you can't make this up. This, look at Hayden's great wall, and then look at mine. This is, like, so unique. Um, you know, when we started this uh, podcast, uh, you know, I never thought we'd be able to film at Latrobe. Um, one, I didn't want to come back to Latrobe because I didn't want to stay in this room. But... This has been a blast um, getting, getting a chance to reconnect with teammates. Um, you know, we've been playing Scrabble 
Uh, I can say TJ Watt is the worst Scrabble player. Uh, <laughs> he is not good. Uh, I would not pick – like, I'm glad Scrabble is like – You're not playing with anybody else because TJ is terrible when it comes to Scrabble. It, they're in the other room over there playing, but uh, I had to walk out and get back to the – not just football podcast. This is, this is awesome, but uh, – it's good to bond. It's good to be a part of a team that, you know, likes to compete on the field as well as they do off the field. All right. So you said he's the worst one. Who's the best Scrabble player on the Steelers? Oh, man. Um, and don't lie. I, Do not say yourself. I haven't won yet because TJ left. And I just found this rollout in Scrabble. Like when all the when one person finishes all their letters – they collect all the points from the other players who have uh, tiles left. Did you know that? No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I'm not a Scrabble guy, so I'm sorry I didn't know that. But that's Scrabble's awesome. That was my dad's favorite game. So like, um, it's a nice tribute because uh, he used to play against my my grandparents who were both teachers, uh, and so he loved to stomp them and like make them think about like, is that a word or not? And if you challenge that word, you lose your turn. So. You know, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know if you challenge, you lose your turn. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, it I gets very competitive. Like- I love stomping a guy and like showing him. Like there was one guy, Christopher Wormley. We're going to talk about him. Go blue, my- go blue, baby. It- ah, chill out with that. But he put down a word. Okay, he put down Ray R E Y and thought the word that word was a real word, and so everybody's looking around like is that a real word? He was like, yeah, I know it's a real word, you know? And then he used it in a sentence and I was like, nah, that's not how you spell Ray. What's the sentence? <laughs> What's the sentence? Say the sentence. <laughs> no. Say the sentence. Say the sentence. Say it. Okay. He said, it's like a sun ray. And I was like, I don't think nah. that's. Nah. <laughs> and, and like, like then Tyson to my right was like, no, that's not the that's not real. But he didn't want to challenge it because he didn't want to give up his turn. And I was like, bump that. I'm challenging it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it w- it was completely wrong, and uh, we got a good laugh of it. Uh, but you're always getting those sneaky guys throwing in words in there, trying to see if anyone's going to challenge. I know how you play. I guarantee you do the same exact thing. No. I guarantee you you are making it up as you go. You're just making it up as you go, dude. Hey. If I get away with it, I get away with it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, I guess, right? <laughs> I, I, I ain't doing that, but no, I'm pretty good with my words. All right, enough talk about board games. We got to talk about video games. In my interview, we got to talk to Kurt Warner about not only sports, life, but also video games. Can you believe that? Check it out now. All right, people. We're brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odds boost, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal word to Caesar himself. You bet, you get with Caesar Rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesar's Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app, become a Caesar Rewards member today, and get more with every wager. Must be 21 or order to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, guys. We have a special guest on Not Just Football. Super Bowl winner, Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. Appreciate you coming on today. Good to be with you. Yeah. You enjoying this great weather in Latrobe? No. No. (laughs) Like, I'm from Arizona, and I don't like the humidity. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, so I, I get it. And, you know, you go out to Arizona, it's 115, everybody's like, oh, but it's a dry heat. And you're like, yeah, but it's still 115. <laughs> but then you come to places like this, and you're like, yes. you're right, it's a dry heat. Yeah. I will take the dry heat any day of the week. But I still love coming out to training camp, and it just brings back so many great memories, uh, seeing you guys out here working a little bit, and fans coming up and lining the hills. I mean, it was some of my, my greatest memories was, you know, not necessarily just on the field, but just hanging with the guys at training camp and, as much as I love my kids and my family, leaving my family for three weeks and just being able to hang with my guys. Give me a memory that, like, stands out for you. Oh, man, it was, yeah, it was not really the, the football side of it. I tell you, the best memory was Larry Fitzgerald got me a Segway one year as I got a little bit older. <laughs> and so we had training camp uh, at, you know, NAU, Northern Arizona University. So elevation was like 7,500. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of hills and the elevation. So yes. you realize when you go up there and you're walking up these you know, these steps and stuff, you're like, man, I'm not in as good a shape as I thought I was. But as I got older, I got the Segway. And right. so everybody else is hauling up the hills, and I'm yeah. just wheeling around with Fitz on the Segway. And those were, again, those were some of the greatest memories is mm. just wheeling around, having a good time, having fun, movie nights with the guys, going out to dinner, um, you know, playing video games or, or hanging out at night. Yeah. That, to me, was what training camp was all about, just bonding and connecting you know, and let that carry over onto the field. But those were those mm. were some great memories. Yeah. So, like, you're talking about training camp, and I know you're here with NFL Network. So give me a scouting report on these quarterbacks because everybody's <laughs> wanting to know what's going on with their quarterback situation. Here's the hardest thing. Sometimes when I come to work, they work us so much that I actually don't even get to watch <laughs> practice. But I'll give you my scouting report based right. on watching them, okay? So, mm-hmm. Mitch, uh, I think Mitch is one of those guys that has big playability, mm-hmm. whether it's with his legs or with his arm. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing about Mitch is he's got to make more of the layups, mm-hmm. right? He's got to be the guy that you got to, if you're going to start in this league, you've got to make the plays you're supposed to make right. most of the time. Otherwise, you're going to be up and down. Mason, by contrast, is a guy that I would say makes most of the layups, mm. but then he doesn't give you as many of the big plays. Mm. So how much do you need with your great defense and all those things? And I think Kenny is kind of based on what I've seen in college is kind of the mixture of both, right. you know, that he's more consistent as a passer probably than, uh, than, than Mitch is. He's more athletic than, yeah. than Mason is, right. uh, but he's also a rookie, right? And so that's the thing is you never know what you're going to get with these young guys that step in as they take 
that next step. And, you know, we were just talking off camera. And, mm. and, you know, we're always trying to prove something to somebody, whether it's Mitch trying to prove to people he can be a starter, or Kenny, I deserve to be the 20th pick overall, or Mason, why is nobody talking about me? Like, I, I belong <laughs> here too. But a big part of it becomes proving to yourself right. that you belong in that spot. And having that moment where you go, yeah, I, I belong in this position and leading this team. So I'm excited to see how it plays yeah. out because you don't see very many really three-headed uh, quarterback competitions. Sometimes you'll see two guys. Right. Three guys legitimately seem to have a chance to start for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot will come down to what exactly are you looking for. Right. Great defense. you got a good young running back that can play, some good playmakers. What do you need from that position may go a long way in determining who starts for you guys. That's very true. I appreciate that. <laughs> I should probably be asking him. I like, know. I'm just on the outside. Who's going to start for you guys? I don't know. You don't know. I'm kind of right. nervous. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I look at this and I'm like, you've had so much history with, like, QB competitions. Like, yeah. what was the big indicator for you to stand out? You know, I mean, the first thing you always say is, you have to bring an edge every day in practice, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes you can get to the point in your career where you come out and you go like, I know I'm the starter. Like, I know I'm going to be that guy. And, yeah. you know, not that you're not working hard and doing what you have to do, but you don't come with that edge like every practice and every throw means something. So that's the first thing is you got to be able to lock in every single day because mm -hmm. every rep matters. And then the next thing that I would say is, you can't let one play carry over to the next play, mm. right? Because the biggest thing when you're in a competition is you worry about that mistake. Like, yes. oh man, I just threw an interception. Like if I throw another interception, is the competition gonna be over? Like, are they gonna give it to the other guy? But you can't play that way. You yes. gotta come out and go, well, forget that one. I'm gonna make the next play and that's what's gonna determine whether I get the job or not. And so those are things that when I was going through it, I felt like, okay, this is how I'm gonna gain the edge. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lock in and I'm gonna be more focused than the other guy. And I'm never gonna let that one play stop me from, from being who I am and getting conservative or, or playing a different way or worrying about it and hesitating. Always wanted to bring that edge to the table. Um, but, you know, as everybody says, it always makes your team better. Yeah. If everybody can come to the, the mix and go, okay, I got to prove myself today. You know, I got to outperform him. And then if you have a bad day, then you're locked in the next day going, okay, but today's going to be my day. Yes. And I'm going to beat that guy. And, you know, that back and forth, I think, is is always good. But I think those were a couple things that, that I always tried to say to myself when I was in those competitions. Be this guy. Mm -hmm. And if you're this guy with the talent that you have, you're going to separate yourself when it's all said and done. It's crazy you bring that up because, like, Coach T was just talking about, you know, guys travel light, lightly because you don't want to just keep thinking about that play and yeah. keep repeating that same play over and over. Yeah. And you could see the younger guys dealing with that, trying to grow from it, but, like, just keep attacking the next play instead of just, oh, yeah. woe is me and feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, and I think it, and it's not just in a competition like this. Mm -hmm. In games, too. Like, that's what we have to do in games because we're inevitably going to screw up. Like, yeah. we're going to throw an interception or we're going to, you know, take the wrong step or we're going to get, you know, they're going to run it. Like, last year, you guys – who would ever thought you guys were last in the league at stopping the run? Like, again, I, I know it's a sore subject, but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's like an anomaly. You're yeah. like sitting here going, what is going on every week? This doesn't happen to us. And so to be able to take that stuff, one game to the next, one play to the next, you know, we had a great coach, Frank Gans, a special teams coach for us back in the day with the Rams, and he used to always say, one snap and clear, man. Mm. One snap and clear. Like, whatever happens, good or bad on that play, you got to clear it and you got to go to the next play. And, and right. that is something, again, that you have to be conscious of at all times is being able to focus through 
different things that might happen in a moment or, or in a game. Um, but it's not always easy to do, right? It's, right. It, it's easy to get hung up on <laughs> and then let that play carry over. Like, yes. oh, I tried to make that throw and I threw an interception. Well, maybe I shouldn't try that throw, the, you know, and then it's like, man, I just missed an opportunity for a great play mm. because I was worried about what I did on the last one. And so, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, it was a great quote by that coach back in the day and something that I've always tried to, like, do the best you can to just focus through every play, every play for what it is, mm. not thinking about what happened the last time you ran that play. Right. You talked about our defense now. And so you got to give me a scouting report on our defense. I mean, the thing about, like, I was saying the same thing last year when I looked at your defense. Like, how is this front seven getting run on for 200? Like, it, mm. it didn't make sense. But right. you know, like, even at the highest level and even when you're really, really good, mm. there's times when you just go through stretches where you can't always figure it out. Right. Like, I remember going through a season, uh, my last season really starting with the Rams, where I had, like, three touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You know, and I go back and watch the tape, and I'm like, I mean, that's what you've done. Like, why is that one an interception? Like, what did what happened there? And you couldn't always make sense of it. Yeah. And I think that's what I looked at with your defense. Like, I couldn't make sense of it. Like, you guys were too good yes. across the board. Had too many good individual players, uh, you know, for that to happen. So I just kind of chalk it up like that was an anomaly. You know, they got into that mode where, and again, I can't speak for you, but I think sometimes you're going like, you know, how do we, you know, we're playing right. on our heels, like, how do we stop this? Let's fall into it instead of just playing football and playing up to your potential. But, I mean, I look at your defense and I, you know, just say to my, you guys got so many difference makers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bringing in Miles Jack, getting Devin back, uh, obviously yourself and, and TJ. And, I mean, just, there's so many playmakers on the defense. And I actually looked at your whole roster. Mm -hmm. Like, we talked about the quarterback and there's questions at the quarterback position. Right. But outside of that, you've got a really, really good roster. If you yeah. get that solidified, I think you have a chance to be a really good team in a really tough division where, man, every game in your division, you know, could come down to the wire, you know, just looking at the rosters. Yeah, you've talked about, you know, our team and, you know, our division is tough. Let's talk about a guy who left our division and went down to the NFC now, NFC South, yeah. Baker Mayfield. How's he going to deal with that quarterback competition with uh, Sam Darnold? You know, the thing about Baker that I think you have to love and, you know, just different guys, different opinions. There might be things you like and don't mm -hmm. like about different guys. But the thing that I've always loved about Baker is he relishes yes. these opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. whether he was a walk-on or whether he transferred somewhere or, you know, everybody's saying he shouldn't have been the number one pick. He rises to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to rise to the occasion again. The other thing that I always try to realize as I'm being an analyst of the game is that you also have to come to the understanding a lot of times is players are who they are. Right. You know, and that a lot of times they show you who they are. And Baker, I think, is a starting quarterback in this league. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a guy that can carry a team. Right. So put him in a situation with talent around him, playing to his strengths. Mm -hmm. I believe he's got a lot to offer. And I think he'll end up winning the job in Carolina because of some of those confidence things that he brings and some of those big plays that he brings. The problem is I just don't know if he's that guy. You know, when you get into the league for four years. Yeah. So you look at, like, the Cleveland situation. Do you think it was mishandled? Because he had pieces around him. I, I don't think it was mishandled um, as much as, you know, you get into the organization and you have to ask yourself, 
what are you playing for? Right. Like, because we know that that's the position mm -hmm. of all the positions. If you don't have that guy, you don't have a chance. Right. I mean, that, unless everything else, like uh, you got a great defense and a yeah. great run game. And you know, I mean, very seldom is the quarterback a complimentary piece on a, on a championship team. Right. We have seen it a couple times. I get it, but you have to come to the realization, like what's good enough mm -hmm. for us, you know, and Cincinnati, another team in your division, like Andy Dalton, is a starting quarterback in the National Football. He's a yes. top 32 quarterback in the world. Right. But Andy Dalton also is is a get-you-to-the-playoffs quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's not a win-a-championship quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually Cincinnati said, man, he did great things for this. He helped change the culture here. He got us to the playoffs year after year after year after year. But we want more than that. Mm -hmm. So we let him go and we go get Joe Burrow. Right. And, and I believe that's exactly what Cleveland said is like, mm -hmm. Baker's been good for us. He helped us turn the corner. He helped us win a playoff game. You know, did some, but we think this is who Baker Mayfield is. And yeah. we've got to rectify in our mind, is that good enough? Right. Or is that good enough for where we're at right now? And I think, you know, they went out and obviously went and got Deshaun and, and felt like Deshaun was a championship level quarterback and just said, hey, mm -hmm. that's the difference. If we can get a guy that we believe elevates us at that position, we're going to do that, uh, even though I don't think they ever said Baker's not a good quarterback, he can't mm. be a starter. We just felt like we could upgrade at the position. Mm. So in the AFC East, you got Zach Wilson playing for the Jets. I just recently saw that he got rid of his social media. How would you have balanced the social media now? You know, that's a great question. I'm so old that I didn't have to worry about it. Um, <laughs> but I think it is a great question because I – I love social media now because I, uh, I think there's so many positives to it. And right. I love having conversations with people. You know, I love using it as a tool. Yeah. Like, you disagree with me? Great. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk yeah. about why. And I'm okay if you disagree with me, but let's talk about the issues and have a conversation. But as you know, then it can kind of take over. Like, oh, well, I'm going to have this conversation, and then I'm going to respond <laughs> to it. And, and it can take over. It can be very petty And then times. you also know that... Obviously, what you know, what social media can be when right. things aren't going well, and yes. the things that come at you. And so, I'm not really sure how I would have handled it. Um, mm. I have a feeling that I would have done something similar, right. where maybe picked my moments where I said, "Okay, maybe this day, or you know, once a month, let me interact," because I think it's a great tool yeah. for us to connect with the fans and to let them know who we are. But I also think it could be something where I, I want to be looking at my game plan and I'm worried about what those idiots were telling me on Twitter and how bad they thought I was. And I want to defend myself and, and do all of that stuff. So, um, man, it's probably a better question for you, you being younger <laughs> and, and having to, to manipulate that because I was fortunate that I didn't have to. But I could see, yeah. I could see the po positives and the negatives of it. It's funny, I was just interviewing, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin after practice and I was asking him, you know, they always talk about our preparation. What do you do? What did you do this offseason mm. to get better? So I asked him, like, okay, you're 16 years in, same position. What do you do every year to get better? And part of his answer was, I'm getting better at social media. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Coach Tomlin, did you just say that? But it, yeah. but he was saying, I'm learning how to use that to connect with my players, to right. connect with this new generation, uh, you know, the new fans of the game, which mm. I thought was very interesting. And, and you know, that could be, you know, when I hear that, it might have been like, well, when I was playing, that's what I should have done. Like, right. take a step back and go, how can I use this yes. so it doesn't become a negative, but I can use it to my benefit, however that, that was, you know, doing charity work, as, as you do, connecting with the fans, uh, you know, keeping things positive without allowing it to take my mind away from what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, you know, I think like social media, you got to be able to set the example. 
And you got to be True. able to relate with people with that. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, I pick my battles. I can't fight everybody on Twitter. <laughs> I, I would love to, yes. but I can't. Um, but but you, don't you realize that, it, you know, when you fight people or when you have conversations, yeah. it usually endears them to you more. Where you're not just like, you're an idiot. No, what you said no. was wrong. You're just going, yeah, what's your opinion? Well, yeah. here's my opinion. And I love it because, again, it breaks down that, you know, because, you know, I mean, we can all sit behind our you know, keyboard and, and type whatever we want and then just run away. We got this big wall between us. But it breaks down that wall to go, man, now at least I appreciate yeah. the engagement and I appreciate the fact that, you know, he's challenging what I think and I can challenge what he thinks. And at the end of the day, if we disagree, we can we can walk away. And, and that's been kind of the cool tool for me is, uh, you know, a lot of people say, why do you respond to that person, you know, that usually says something negative? And that's why, because I'm like, let's break down the barrier and let's figure out what's going on here. Uh, and usually at the end of the day, it's like, oh, it's cool. And, and we start having these conversations over the years about different topics. And it's been a neat way to connect with people. Usually when it's negative, I use it as bulletin board material. Like, we don't what get do the newspapers. Like, like I, I keep receipts. And, like, I make sure I So do you, like, save it on your phone? Yes, do, of you course. Yes. Everybody knows and it. And then, like, then how do you use it? Like, when you say bulletin board material, it's yeah, used for my age myself. When I was growing up, we had an actual bulletin right. board. Right, they had And newspapers. we would have to pull out tags, <laughs> and we would have to stick the quote on a board. I know right. you don't do that. So, like, what? Do you go through your... Your pictures every once in a while go, oh, I remember when Johnny right. B said this about Just me. Just when I'm feeling bad about myself, it's okay. good to look back on it and say, oh, uh, I got to shut that guy up. Okay. And All so, right. you know, it's... A chip on your shoulder? Yes. I've always had a chip on my shoulder, and Are I appreciate it. Are you one of those guys? Like, yes. I, you know, I hear people like Tom Brady every year, he finds something to have a chip, or Aaron Rodgers, and I, I never thought of myself that way. Like... <laughs> Like, I just want to go play and play great, and, right. but I never thought of it like, I'm going to show this guy. And so I'm always fascinated, but you always try to I've find always, something to I've use as motivation. Like, with my little brother here, I'm, like, trying to show him up. Like, <laughs> you know, we were doing a drill after practice, and, like, somehow it got competitive, me just grabbing his arms as he's trying to catch. Yeah. And, you know. You cheating? Yeah, I'm cheating right. on purpose. Just and so then he's can... like, oh, yeah, I still caught it. I'm like... <laughs> Next one you won't catch. So like we're going back right. and forth, and it's you know that's the competitive nature of me. I just I yeah. can't let that go. But yeah, but some people just find you know I want to find that one negative thing right. that motivates me all the time. That just wasn't that wasn't the way that that I did things. Well, that's how Coach T coaches. You know, he finds that one negative thing. Really? And he just you know. And he just kind of digs you like every, you every day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was Romeo like that? Uh, no. No, I had Mike Marks, though. Mike Marks was like that with me. <laughs> and Dick was, you know, I had, like, good cop, bad cop. So okay. Mike Marks was the one that was on me and riding me and, and pushing me all the time. And, you know, he's the one that made me call home to my wife, like, I, I'm not very good at this game. Like, I thought I was good, but <laughs> I don't seem to be very good. And then Dick would be the one that, you right. know, came and put his arm around me, like, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, so oh, they would balance that coaches. out. Because, you know, in training camp, especially when you're first starting to make it, and you got a coach that's riding you, and you're just like, like, oh my gosh, every day. So I needed that, yeah. that kind of pick me up. Like, mm. hey, you're doing good. Now, I'm still gonna push you over here, but then I got this good cop over here that, you know, lifts my spirits a little bit, so I can come right. back the next day and be be ready to go. Right. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Okay, so I want to talk, you know, I want to talk about Kyler Murray and this whole situation with these clauses and contracts about video games and other stuff outside of football. How do you feel about that? Here's the thing. I, I, I didn't look at it as nearly as big a deal as a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first thing I look at is here's a 24-year-old quarterback right. that has done some incredible things, accomplished a lot of incredible things, but he's still learning how to play the game. He's still learning how to prepare because, you know, we all develop right. the way that we – like, this is what I did in college, and mm-hmm. this is what worked for me. Oh, shoot, now I'm at a next, the next level. I'm going to try to do those same things. And, you know, again, Kyler's played well. Right. But I think the organization was just saying, let's try something different. Let, let's try this route. Maybe this route can help you get to where we're all trying mm-hmm. to go. And so I never looked at it like, well, Kyler doesn't work hard. You know, Kyler doesn't, you know, have a work ethic or doesn't prepare. I looked at it as here's a young guy that's still learning how mm-hmm. to do it right. right. And maybe hasn't explored every option because he's leaning back on the things that got him there, which has mm-hmm. been great. You know, winning Heisman trophies and, and having success and not losing in high school. I mean, all those things, it's like, you automatically, well, this works for me. Like, I, I, I get it. And so I had no problem with it. Again, we know that everything in a contract is going to come out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be unfortunate that, hey, he's the only one that really has that clause in there. But I think at the end of the day, it was just, man, we're giving you whatever, $50 million a year. We want you to be great. And we want to be great with you. And so let's mm-hmm. figure out what's going to get us there. And, and you also know, like, we're also different players. Mm. Like, so... What does that mean exactly? Like, I can go and say, well, okay, Kyler, you need to you know, watch as much film as Peyton Manning. Right. I didn't watch as much film as Peyton Manning. <laughs> no one you know, does. You know, or you need to do... We all have to develop what it means for us to play at our best. Mm-hmm. What are our strengths? Right. And, and what's going to help us get to where we want to go? Kyler's going to be the first one to tell you, I'm not where I want to be yet. Like, I, I'm not a finished... I have to change it and evolve and do different things. And so that to me was all that clause was. And it became a big deal because it was in the media. But mm-hmm. tell me you didn't have a coach when you were young going, hey, I need you to come in and watch 30 more oh, minutes of, of film with me. Or yeah. I need you to go you know, watch film with whoever that young guy was, James Harrison. And I want mm-hmm. you to watch how he pre- – like yes. we all had guys that kind of pushed us in that direction to right. go, try this. Yeah. You know, watch him and, and, and learn from that. So – I thought it was unfortunate that it that it became what it was. Yeah. When to me it was like, come on, man, he's 24 years old. Like, yes. let him work through it and, and, and figure it out, and, and it's okay. And, and you know, the video game thing—I was never any good at video games, so I didn't <laughs> I didn't play him a lot. But I also believe that I think there can be some benefits to video games, just because of. I always used to think about it like when I prepared in the off season. Mm-hmm. What I was so good at was was processing information. Mm. And I always had to ask myself every offseason, like, okay, how do you get better at that? Like, wh- what are you going to do? What's the drill? What's the, you know, what's the activity that helps you get better? At pr- I mean, like, I can't get 11 on 11 every day, you know, or 7 on 7 to process the information. So I was always trying to, you know, play different games, not necessarily mm. video games, but different games that forced me to process and think mm. and see a lot of different things because that was what I needed to work on. And so I think there's a lot of different ways to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And I think video games is a way that can allow you to do that. Obviously, we don't want it to take away from, you know, like our kids. 
you know, back in the day, like, you can't play any video games, right. get outside. You know, and now I'm like, hey, I, you know, I, I think there's some, some things that it can do for you. I don't want you sitting there for eight hours playing video games. So you're not but, a Fortnite player? I am not. I am not a Fortnite player. Neither am I. Because see, that's the other thing is, again, I age myself. Back when I was young, we had a joystick and a button. And when we had a joystick and a button, I was really good at all those games. <laughs> you give me seven buttons, and it's okay, a little so overwhelming did, for me. It's you didn't play. You didn't play when Marshall was Marshall Falk was on the cover of Madden. I played a little bit in college, so that was one of the things okay. you know in our dorm. Right. We would all meet in somebody's room, and we would play a little bit of Madden. But mm. no, I was never a big video game guy. And you know, here's the thing. All right, here's mm. the thing. When you go to play video <laughs> games, right? You always want to play with yourself. And so then when I would play with myself, I couldn't, like, I was such a timing-oriented quarterback that I couldn't figure out, like, how to do the things I wanted to do with myself on the game. So mm -hmm. I got frustrated because I'm like, gosh, you suck in this game. You thought you were faster in real life. Not faster, <laughs> but I did think I was better than I was on Madden. But you was in 99. How could so, you? I, I don't know. But so that was the thing is, like, it didn't calculate to okay. how I, because like I wanted to read coverages and okay. I wanted to throw a you know, three-step drop, hit your third step, let it go. <laughs> and I could never figure that out with all the buttons. So I just got frustrated and I didn't play as much as I probably would have. Okay. Yeah. Wow. A little bit with my kids here and there, but, you know. So you talk, I, I talked about like, you know, your team in Madden. That was my favorite team. The great, greatest show on turf was one of the... Yeah. Funnest teams to play with: Marshall Falk, Isaac oh, Bruce, God. Tory Holt, yes. Ricky Prohl. Like yes. you, this was awesome. I love playing with you. Yeah. How did you feel about that team? I mean, you know, it's it's so funny. I had such a, a weird journey mm. throughout life, and you know, we all fall in love with the game when we're seven, eight years old. And I mean, hey, one day I'm gonna play in the NFL and I'm gonna win a Super Bowl and blah blah blah. And you know, and then I take this weird journey, getting cut, and we're in the grocery store and all that stuff. But if somebody would have told me, you know, by the time you're 28 years old, you'll have won a Super Bowl, you'll be a Super Bowl MVP and a league MVP, will you take it? I'd be like, heck yeah, I'll take it when I'm 28. <laughs> it just so happened that all of that happened in one year. And so for me, I was just so fortunate that when I finally got my chance, yeah. I got to play the way that I was capable of playing, you know, in a system that fit my skills. And I was surrounded by, I mean, like, Ridiculous talent. Like, everywhere you look, like, oh, I need him to win? Well, he's going to win. I need him to win. Oh, he's going to win. So it was just so much fun to play. You know, like, we talked about Matt. We talked about playing video games. I remember Steve Berline coming over to me that first year in 99 after the game, and he's just like, dude, like, this is ridiculous. It's like, you're a you guys are a video game oh. out there. Like, just, we felt invincible. We felt yeah. like... You know, it didn't matter what you did. We were mm. going to find a way to score and play. You know, and I was coming from the Arena League. Mm. And so, you know, people were talking about, like, wow, you guys are scoring 35 points a game, 40 points a game. And I remember thinking to myself, we're punting twice a game. What's the problem here? <laughs> like, we, we're not supposed to punt. We're supposed to score every time like we did in Arena Football. So my mentality was very much play, go, score every time, mm. throw the ball all the time. And so I just, I fell into a place where it was like, Oh, you get to do this all over again on a bigger field mm. with all this incredible talent. So it was just so much fun to be a part of that team uh, because of the talent that we had and because of the nature of how we played. You know, the game that mm -hmm. you play now 
is the game we played then right. when nobody else was playing it. And that's what made it fun. It's like, oh, you're going to hand the ball off? <laughs> we're going to throw it 40 times a game. <laughs> like, we're going to do this. So it was just it was just a joy to be around great quality people, Dick Vermeil going into the Hall of Fame, him being our head coach, all the talent you talked about that's already in the Hall of Fame. And then really more than anything, just the style. Like, mm. isn't that at the end of the day when you're playing a game? Like, I just want to – can I just do what I do? Like, whatever yeah. that is as a defensive tackle or a defensive end or a quarterback, I just want to play – the way I'm capable of playing. And I fell into a system that said, you know, here's the ball, go wing it around and do what you do. And, mm. and there's nothing like that feeling when you know you're capable of it and you find yourself in the perfect system. It's like, man, I, I could do this forever because it was just so much fun. Okay, so we've talked about one of the greatest teams. Let's talk about one of the most unlikeliest teams. Okay. You had the Cardinals team. Yeah. Like, I know you guys started off on fire and then you guys fizzled and then you guys got into the playoffs and Larry just went crazy. <laughs> Talk about that run. You know, there are different things that are rewarding throughout your career for, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, the, the crowning jewels on my career simply because, you know, my career, the way it had played out, mm -hmm. St. Louis, a couple Super Bowls, a couple MVPs, get released there. I go to the Giants and we played a completely different style, so everybody mm -hmm. thought, okay, Kurt Warner can't play anymore. <laughs> Hand the ball to Eli. I mean, you know, he's not the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, anymore. Then I go to Arizona, and, you know, it was kind of a combination, was that nobody expected me to ever really play. You know, like, mm. Kurt's best years are behind him. You know, he's probably a backup at this point in his career. And then I'm going to an organization where everybody was going, the Cardinals will never win. They haven't won in 50 years. They're never. Mm. So it was like, you know, the, these, you know, the bad news bears or these two, the odd couple, like, these guys are never going to win by themselves. And that, put them together, they got no chance to be successful. They'll never win there. And so to go into an environment like that and to be able to, to change the culture there, mm -hmm. you know, was just so rewarding. To me, so much about this position, playing quarterback, is about leading. And right. it's about, you know, convincing people of what their possibilities are when, mm -hmm. when they don't believe it. And that's what that challenge was for me. And, you know, we all want it to happen overnight. You know, it's like, okay, you know, first year in 99 in St. Louis, we won the Super Bowl. It got to Arizona, it's like, okay, like it didn't happen the first year, and it didn't, but you started to see little things, and you know. Then by our third year, you know, we're we're playing really well, and then our fourth year, we're going to the Super Bowl, and you know, so you had that whole scenario leading up to it. And then I remember when we went to the Super Bowl, we were going into the playoffs, and I remember it was Chris Collinsworth that you know, doing whatever show saying. This is the worst playoff team ever. You know, not not like this year, not like the last. This is the worst playoff team ever. You know, he starts talking like, we should redo the playoff format because teams like the Cardinals should never be able to win a crappy division and get to the playoffs. And then it was, you know, we win our first game and then we win our second game and then things play out and we get to play our, the championship game at home, even as the number four seed. And then we win that game, you know, and, and then, you know, go into the Super Bowl and just... You know, so much, Michael Irvin always says on our show that, it, that he measures a man by the distance traveled. Mm. And that to me was what that period of my life and, and that period with that team was about, was that we didn't ultimately end up winning the Super Bowl, but we won because the distance that we traveled and what people were believing. You know, I tell people all the time that I threw that touchdown pass to Larry with two and a half minutes to go. And I still believe to this day that was the only time 
that anyone in the history of life has ever uttered, the Arizona Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl. Like, it's never been said before, and it's never been said since. That was the moment. But that, to me, was an, that was like, everybody believes we're yeah. good enough to win the championship. Now, Big Ben and San Antonio, and come, like, they do their great things, and, and, and they win it. Tip your hat. I mean, it's, that's what great players are supposed to do. But everybody left that stadium going, that team was good enough to win a Super Bowl. And that's what you play for is you play to make people believe what you're capable of or what the possibilities were. And that's what that season signified or that time period signified for me. And it was so great because, you know, the place was left and fans and people around the league saw the organization completely different than when I got there. And that's as a leader, that's, you know, at the end of the day, wins and losses – I'm not going to gauge it all on that. It's it's how you left the place compared to what it was like when you got there. And uh, so it was just so much fun to be on that team and watch guys start to believe in what they mm. could be and what they could accomplish. Um, and, you know, and, and then to come, you know, that close to, to winning a championship. Two more questions. About that game, I talked to Brett Kiesel. No, he didn't get both feet down. Oh, is that? No, not, I wasn't going to bring up that one. That's not what you were going to ask? Oh, I was gotcha. going to talk about the interception. Thought for sure you were going to agree with me. Okay. No, I, I don't agree with you. He caught the ball. <laughs> but let's uh, talk about the interception. Okay. interception. James Harrison. The interception. 100 yards. Take us back through it. All right. So <laughs> as much as I don't like to, I got to see it every year. I got to talk about it every year. <laughs> Uh, you know, but what an iconic play, obviously, in the biggest game. So we just had kind of a little rub route that mm-hmm. was out there between Anquan and Larry. And uh, and so we have the perfect look, press man mm-hmm. coverage. I knew that I was going to have Anquan, um, you know, come open for the touchdown. And, you know, so my only worry was, was James. You know, like anybody just popping straight out to it. Mm-hmm. And so the play happens very, very fast. But on that particular play, uh, all I did on the snap is just look at James. And, and, and James just hesitated forward for a second. And, and to me, that, that's enough. And, you know, so I just turned to throw it. And, you know, still to this day, I, I still have to try to figure out my like, how did, how did that happen? Like, he's not supposed to be able to, to be in the way of that pass based on where he started and, and what he did just for a, a split second. Um, you know, so just, you know, a great play. And, you know, even talking to him, he mm. wasn't even supposed to drop no, on that play. No, he wasn't. He was supposed to blitz. Yeah. And so it, it was that one hesitation. <laughs> and then and then he makes, you know, the greatest play. And then on top of that, not even just the interception, you know, it was it was the, the 18 seconds that play, like, come on. Like, <laughs> we're not going to tackle this man. This guy's going to go 101 yards on the last, like. Did you think you were going to tackle him? No, I mean, that's never so it was my 10 job. on 11. I never really tried to tackle anybody. I just try to force it. So, my job as a quarterback is like, I run over to the sideline, and what you don't want to do is like, you don't want to try to tackle them from inside out because right. if you do that and you miss, you give them the sideline. Right. So, my job is always go down and get in front of him and force him to cut back in because mm-hmm. then the masses are coming and, 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 and somebody will tackle him. So that's all I did is I went and engaged with somebody and my job just forced him back to the inside. So that's what I did. I forced him back to the inside and I thought, okay, okay. It was an interception. You know, we could have taken the lead at the half, but oh well, you know, we're only down three and right. it's all good. And so he cuts back in and then it's like, 
one person misses him and another person misses him and then Larry goes running on the sideline and runs in and you're like, this cannot happen. And then even on the tackle, he falls on top of Larry yeah. and falls into the end zone and you're just like, you know, I just remember walking into the, you know, the, the halftime into the locker room and you could just see everybody like, dude, like, <laughs> he just lost us the Super Bowl right there on that play. And so, you know, so much went into that. Right. But I'm a guy that always tries to look at, like, like the optimism of it. Mm. Is like the first half, we were trying to just kind of manage the game because we didn't think we were as good as the Steelers were. And, you know, they were afraid to kind of spread it out because, like, we're not going to be able to block the guys. So we're going to play a little more conservative. Mm. And I was trying to tell them all week, like, we need to spread these guys out. And we just right. need to do what we do. And so I think the, the blessing of it all was the second half, because we were down 10, oh, you guys they said, up. go play ball. Go mm. do what you do. And, you know, you, Steelers' defense was just unbelievable, right. that, you know, top defense in the league. And we were just picking them apart. And, and, and so there, the beautiful part was that everybody got to see mm. who we were and why we got to the Super right. Bowl. So it was so much fun playing the second half and then again yeah. taking the lead at the end, just going, this is what we do. Like, this is why we're here, us against this great defense and great players making great plays, and that's what the Super Bowl was all about. So I love the fact that even though that crappy play happened at the end of the half, it led to us being able to show people, you know, like Larry Fitzgerald, like he was probably, you know, the greatest player to ever play that nobody really knows about because he never got to play in those big moments. Mm. That was the first time and really you know, the only time that he's been able to make a run in the playoffs, and he sets records. And now everybody's, like, Larry went from a really good player to, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. you realize how good this guy is? Yeah. All because we got to play on the biggest stage in front of everybody, and we got to showcase. So there were so many blessings within that run. Mm-hmm even though we ultimately didn't get to walk away with, with a ring on our finger. All right, last question really quick. You've talked about before in different conversations about the Bills and the Ravens playing in the snow. And you said in the playoffs <laughs> that you want them all the playoffs games in size. Give me a short answer of how you would want the playoffs to be played. I mean, first, you know, I don't do anything short answers. So <laughs> that's the first caveat. But here's the thing. Here's why. Is that I just want when history is on the line, mm-hmm. I want everybody to be able to put their best foot forward right. and best man win okay. in those three hours. I you know, we don't that. play a game like, you know, like basketball or baseball where we get a best of seven, Yeah. you know? And so to me, it's like, just put them all inside so everybody's on equal footing. Mm. And, and I don't ever have to worry about it. Like, you know, if Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the world, kicks a perfect kick and the wind blows it and it misses, it's like... Yeah. I don't want that to dictate <laughs> anything. Okay, that's part one. And then part two is, I understand that we play for home field advantage. Mm. But the problem with home field advantage for me when it comes to the playoffs is like, if I play in Arizona, mm. I literally have no way to acclimate to the weather. Like, Well, I can't help you on one play in Pittsburgh. I, I'll play in Pittsburgh. So like, <laughs> if everybody played in Pittsburgh, right. I would have no problem with us playing wherever. Mm. But... Just because I got drafted by Arizona and I got to play indoors or in the heat all the time, there's no way for me to get acclimated to Mm. the cold weather. So now you're going to bring me here for a playoff game and I'm basically, you know, just screwed because I play in a warm weather city. And I just want everything to be 
even so best team can win come playoff time. So I don't care what they where they where they play it or how they play it. I just think every stadium should have uh, you know a roof that can close. So when it comes time for the playoffs, if there's any kind of conditions, weather whatsoever, just close her up and let's just play and best team wins. And that's how we should set history. Tough. <laughs> right. Coming from a guy that plays in a cold weather yes. city. I'm a defensive that's why guy. Yes. I need an advantage. Guy. Yeah. But <laughs> you'd be saying the same thing if you played in Miami or if of you course. played in Arizona. Of course. Yeah. But Kurt, thank you so much for Good coming you, on. Man. Good to see you. You were awesome. Make sure you watch this. This is awesome to be able to talk to them on the Not Just Football Podcast with me, your host, Cam Hayward. And again, we have Kurt Warner, Super Bowl winner, Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer, NFL Media. Thank you so much. Yeah, really. Good to see you. All right, guys, that was a heck of an interview. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Kurt Warner. He shared some camp life. He talked about his interception, which I know he didn't want to talk about, but it was fun to just get his side of the story. Uh, We got to hear some really cool things about what's going on in the NFL and what he thinks about it. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good interview. Did you enjoy it, Hayden? I thought it was awesome, man. thought it was uh, great to hear Kurt go into deep detail about every single thing. It was awesome. Yeah, he was a little bit talkative, um, but, hey, that's you know, okay. I know. And, you know, as a seasoned vet, like he is in the media world, uh, he sets the example. Guys, we're going to have a great episode next week with a whole bunch of guests, but I'm not going to ruin it. So stay tuned for next time on the Not Just Football Podcast.